Empire Lines uncovers the unexpected, often two-way flows of empires through art. Interdisciplinary thinkers use individual artworks as artifacts of imperial exchange, revealing the how and why of the monolith empire. In this episode, Dr. Sarah Longair unseats European powers' efforts to control the East African coast. Through a Kitty Enzi, or Swahili Chair of Power, produced in the 19th century. A large wooden throne sits proudly, boasting an ebony frame and twine webbing on its seat and footrest. It is intricately decorated with ivory inlay of leaves, crosses, circles and diamonds dotted across the cresting rail and the back panel. And though it was produced in Kenya, it no longer sits in East Africa, rather the stores of the British Museum. Only a brass plaque screwed into its back alludes to its colonial past. This is a Kiticha Enzi, or a chair of power, produced by Swahili artists and found in Witu, Kenya, in the 19th century. The Swahili are an ethnic community living in coastal East Africa, including parts of Kenya, Tanzania, Mozambique, and the islands of Zanzibar and Lamu. And this particular chair was produced at a time when European powers became increasingly interested in expanding their empires in Africa. The Kiticha Enzi, or plural Vitivia Enzi, is a material symbol of how a small Swahili community resisted European expansion on the coast of East Africa. Its seizure and subsequent relocation from East Africa to Britain speaks to our current interests in the colonial origins of museum objects. But it also reveals the rivalries between Western imperial powers and how East African leaders exercised their own agency by playing them against each other. Witu is a small town around 40 kilometres from the Kenyan coast, near the tourist hotspot Lamu and just over 400 kilometres north of Zanzibar. This coastal region of eastern Africa is the home of Swahili culture, influenced by millennia-old mercantile links and migration across the Indian Ocean and within Africa. We see these hybrid identities and cultures in the cityscapes, communities, languages and religion of East Africa's coastal towns such as Malindi, Kilwa, Mombasa and Lamu. The East African coast in the 19th century was subject to the interest of many outsiders. A former British colonial officer described the Sultanate of Witu as a tempting morsel for some power to gobble up, though, as it proved, a tough morsel. From the late 18th century, the Busaidi dynasty of Oman controlled the East African coast. By the mid-19th century, Britain had exerted influence in East Africa diplomatically and sought to curb the Indian Ocean trade in enslaved peoples. Towards the end of the century, other European nations, in particular Germany, also sought to expand their imperial control in the region leading to different countries securing their spheres of influence. But the story of this seat of power reveals the backlash from the peoples already living there. The Swahili Sultan of Witu, Fumo Bakari, reportedly known as Simba, meaning the lion, claimed independence from the Omani Sultan of Zanzibar in the mid-1880s. In the aftermath, 
Fumobakari welcomed German protection in the form of a mercantile company against the British. But this venture was unsuccessful. The Germans withdrew in 1890, passing control of the region to the British, who recognised the sovereignty of the Sultan of Witu. In an unauthorised move of aggression, a group of 10 Germans re-entered the territory to exploit its resources and forests without seeking the Sultan's permission. When the Sultan ordered them to cease activities, the Germans merely complained. The Sultan's soldiers encountered the party, killing nine of the 10 Germans. German appeals to Britain to punish the Sultan were initially refused, but by October 1890, Admiral Fremantle had been ordered to bring Sultan Fumobakari to account through a punitive expedition. In the lead up to the attack, Fremantle warned that they might face forces of up to 5,000 men. In the event, Fumobakari fled after skirmishes en route to Witu, and the town was deserted by the time the Admiral arrived. A report describing the British attack was printed in the London Gazette in 1891. In it, Fremantle describes entering the Sultan's palace where he found some articles of value, a tusk, a handsome gun, a present from the German emperor, the German emperor's portrait, the Sultan's state chair, and a good many guns, chiefly trade guns, besides some papers and a magazine full of powder. He decided to destroy the town and soon it was up in flames, saving, in his words, the most valuable articles and all papers. The Sultan's state chair, Arkiti Chaenzi, was one of these items. Viti Via Enzi, or seats of power, were used as thrones by Swahili rulers in the 18th and 19th centuries. Like seats in many cultures across the world, these chairs had both symbolic and functional purposes. Their distinctive form incorporates myriad cultural influences, while their symbolic use speaks to shifting patterns of power on the African coast. Prior to the consolidation of Omani power in East Africa, only rulers of Swahili city-states and established families possessed such chairs. They acted as sacred relics, much like drums and horns. The establishment of the Omani Busaidi dynasty led to a decline in their use by Swahili rulers and weakening of their symbolic meaning over the course of the 19th century. The Busaidi sultans deliberately restricted the use of these highly charged symbols of power, most probably because such objects were seen as potential threats to their rule. Still, these chairs continue to be produced by local artists and were avidly collected by Europeans. Many can be seen in Western museums today, collected in the late 19th and early 20th centuries. This widely admired and distinctive Swahili art form had developed over several centuries, culminating in the distinctive standard form of such chairs by the late 19th century. They are symmetrical in design with a twine seat and twine panels in the back section. Twine panels also feature above the stretcher behind where the legs would fall and on the footrest. The back of the chair is surmounted with a triangular cresting rail with distinctive and complex symmetrical patterns of abstracted flora and fauna in decorative ivory inlay. 
As a key export commodity, ivory had historically symbolized mercantile power on the Swahili coast. This chair therefore reflects the vibrant pre-colonial trading history of the Swahili community. Admiral Fremantle clearly appreciated the chair's significance. It is 30 centimetres taller and 20 centimetres wider than a standard chair, 160 centimetres high and 96 centimetres wide, the largest and most impressive of the British Museum's Vitivia Enzi. It has even more intricate detail in its inlay than other examples. The cresting rail has three plant-like forms symmetrically placed around the centre, with small crosses on either side. Between the leaves are small circular ivory pieces which feature across the back. The back, in fact, does not have any twine panels. Instead, it is entirely decorated in ivory inlay, carved ivory sections, pegs and finials, and wooden grills. Many of the original ivory pieces have been lost, and the twine panels at the base are badly damaged. Nonetheless, through its scale and virtuosity of the artistry, it is clear that this was a particularly prestigious piece. As Sultan Fuma Bakari was one of the few remaining Swahili independent rulers by the end of the 19th century, his throne may have been one of the few which at that time retained its indigenous symbolic value. Following his victory in Witu, Admiral Fremantle dispersed these so-called trophies across Britain. Exploring their subsequent histories reveals how the Sultan's collection was weaponized to serve different political and cultural purposes. The tusk was presented to Queen Victoria soon after the campaign, her secretary believing, it will give Her Majesty much pleasure to accept from the officers and men engaged in the Witu expedition the tusk which they desire to give the Queen. This gift materially brought the campaign to the Queen's attention with a characteristically African object in the form of an elephant's tusk. Fremantle may have hoped to gain some form of post-event endorsement from the Crown because the campaign itself became to be controversial. One source of this contention was the engagement of British naval forces in a punitive expedition on behalf of Germany questioned at a time when the two countries were imperial rivals in the region. Driven by the desire to present his victory on a national stage, Fremantle participated in the Royal Naval Exhibition in 1891. This large-scale spectacle in Chelsea, in London, contained more than 5,000 objects and attracted over 2 million visitors. The modern Royal Navy was most active in East Africa at that time, the objects from the Witu campaign thus brought current affairs to an exhibition dominated by relics from a much earlier time and the celebrated maritime victories of the Age of Sail. The state chair's description in the catalogue entry concentrated solely upon the Navy's victory. State chair of Fumo Bakari, Sultan of Witu, found in the Sultan's palace and removed on the capture and destruction of that town on the 27th of October 1890 by an expedition composed of officers and men of the Royal Navy and Royal Marines from the following ships belonging to the East India Squadron. Bodicea, Turquoise, Conquest, Cossack, Brisk, Kingfisher, Redbreast, Pigeon, Humber and of 150 police 
of the Imperial British East African Company. It is unlikely that many visitors would have been able to locate Witu on a map, and no further details about the chair's indigenous origin were given. Indeed, it is likely that the brass plaque still attached to the chair was screwed into it for this very display, permanently embellishing it with a short description of its seizure and the destruction of Witu. The seizure of a state chair, implying a throne, was intended to be interpreted as symbolic of uprooting a ruler and the assertion of British imperial might in East Africa. After the exhibition, the chair was returned to the Fremantle family, who, in 1929, offered it to the Royal Naval Museum. In his letter to the museum, Fremantle's son, Sir Sidney, described it as a curious piece, which could be viewed at the family house near Sloan Square in London. The museum's trustees were eager to accept it and planned to put it directly on display. The chair was then taken into the National Maritime Museum collection and transferred to the British Museum in 1991. Unlike in the Royal Naval Exhibition, the chair's seizure is less emphasised in the British Museum collection. As one of three complete examples of Vitivia Enzi held by the museum, the chair's significance comes from its place in the Africa Department's Swahili collection. Alongside those in better condition, the damage possibly the result of its violent and turbulent history, it represents the diversity of the form and cultural influence on the Swahili coast. One of the British Museum's standard Kiticha Enzi, which was probably made for export and never used by a Swahili ruler, is currently on display in the African Gallery. Yet the Sultan of Witu's state chair, which holds greater significance as the seat of power of an independent and spirited coastal ruler, remains in the stores. While the Sultan of Witu's Kiticha Enzi has a powerful meaning and unique history, the chair on display is in excellent condition and gives visitors a clear sense of the quality and artistry of the Swahili people. Our Kiticha Enzi reveals the varied cultural exchanges that occur in coastal zones and between the interior and ocean. Seats have unique cross-cultural meanings, unlike more explicitly exotic material culture acquired in colonial territories, and their function also makes them especially suitable for assimilation into a European aesthetic. However, these chairs, along with countless other objects acquired in Africa in the colonial era, remain highly charged symbols of imperial legacies in Western museums. Empire Lines is produced by Jelena Sofronievich. For more episodes, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.